Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. My two waving minions back at it once again. And we're here for the French Grand Prix preview podcast that you guys have been enjoying so much uh, on a Friday. And we're just, we just keep flying out the content. And of course, alongside me, my two minions, uh, Tom Bellingham and Katie Fairman. Tom Bellingham, in fact, it looks like he's wearing an orange jumper, but it's not. It's yellow. Sorry, I'm, WTF1 founder. I'm literally, oh a minion. <laughs> I'm literally a minion. I'm in yellow. I should be doing like a, a boomer yellow. meme, like Mondays, am I it's right? Not yellow, it? It's not yellow. To be fair, it's probably about the, as accurate as the F1 cameras when they're trying to show like a yellow flag and it looks green and things like that, you know, where the colours are just completely wrong. That's the same with your jumper. And just so you heard, Tommy, you are the WTF1 founder as well. Just, yeah. just wanted to make sure that you heard that because I know that I did say it, but I don't the, want you to yeah, hurt that's me. That's fine. The camera never lies except when it does. <laughs> Let's and Katie Fairman, the WTF1 editor, and uh, apparently wearing a, a colour that I don't really understand. Is that is that white? Is it beige? Is it what is it? Cream. Like a cream, cream and a brown. My eyes are so bad for colours. Anyway, speaking of colours, <laughs> let's segue into the French Grand Prix with the horrendous stripes of the Paul Ricard circuit, and uh, have your eyes both recovered uh, from the first two practice sessions. A uh, lot of stripes. 167 yeah. track layouts, is it? 167. 167. Yeah, I, I forgot it. how. Yeah, when it when they first came out the pit lane for FP1, and you have the panning shots all around the circuit, I was like, oh my word, I forgot about these these stripes. It's it's a strange watch to say the least. It takes a bit of getting used to. I feel. I feel like I'm kind of giving off a PTSD with this jumper. Actually, I should have gone for something yeah, a bit more plain. I'm so you've sorry. Gone for the curbs, haven't I've you? Gone for yeah. a stripy jumper. Yeah, to be fair, I wish the curbs were a bit more muted, like your lovely jumper. Thank you, Not mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. fluorescent yellow jumper. Anyway. Let's talk about, well, actually, I thought the first thing we'd be talking about is track limits. I, I'm sure we will get onto it. But the main talking point was the uh, was the sausage curbs, uh, specifically at turn two. They are dotted around the track, aren't they? It's not the only place they have those big, fat, wedgy, girthy curbs. But turn two is the one where it's a big problem, right? Because obviously you've got a really difficult couple of corners to start off the lap. You go down and then you go up and you go back down again and the car goes light and you can make easily make a mistake through there which we've seen both Mercedes and Red Bull, maybe a few other teams as well, but they, we don't think we heard the FIA team radios for them. But those top two teams were complaining about damaging their car to hundreds of thousand pounds worth of, of damage, which uh, obviously they would complain anyway, but because there's the cost cap as well, you know, every bit of money that comes out the, the kitty to repair a car can't go into developing uh, their next year's car. So... Yes, yeah, I mean, I, I would just get rid of them. It's really not that, you know, I, the, the argument was, I won't go on to too much of a soliloquy. Well, that's a good word. Um, is, uh, is the fact that, you know, some people are arguing, oh, you know, just don't go there. You know, if there was a wall, you wouldn't go there. But the difference is a curb is not exactly a wall. You can't really see the curbs as well as you can a wall. A wall is a big reference. A sausage curb on the side of a track isn't. And the F1 drivers want to take as much liberties as they possibly can on the curb without going onto the death trap. So for me, just just get, just get rid of them. Yes, we saw it in uh, Imola. Obviously, Lando had that lap deleted. Um, track limits, I feel like, is just defined this season where... They want it, they don't want it, then it's too much, then it's too little. You know, you have this argument of, oh, well, if it was, like you say, if it was Monaco, you'd be in the barrier and damaging your car, but it's not Monaco. Um, oh, it's a really, it is a really difficult one, but yeah, the teams were not happy about it. And I think you're right, it's not, 
it's not as easy it's easy to watch from home and go oh just don't go there but if you've ever played a game or even even when you're watching those pov views where you realize how low they actually sit and how little you literally do see. just sit on the floor and try and yeah. see things that's basically a good reference sit really low in your road car where you can so you're like peering over the top of it don't do not that because driving. yeah 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 sorry not, not while, while driving. driving when stationary <laughs> yeah when stationary to have a have a view but do not drive um because yes if if uh, there were sausage curbs you'd be running over them or people or anything like that so do not do that <laughs> Do not sue me. <laughs> don't, don't listen to anything that Tommy said for the last 30 seconds. Katie. I am in a bit of a weird position with this because the drivers and the teams are obviously not a fan of these curbings, but that is because they will complain about everything they can so that they get their way, basically. We've seen it throughout Formula One history. Um, however, speaking to ex-drivers like Kareem Chandok and Paul DeResta on Sky, they also have the opinion that they shouldn't be there. Maybe they could, with the curbing, take away every other curb so it's not quite as dramatic and damaging to the cars because we've seen things ping off. And like you said, £100,000 worth of damage in a practice session is not ideal for just going over a curb. But then Michael Massey or Michael Sassy, as he is now being known um, by people on Twitter, which I think is excellent. Uh, It really is. Um, He has basically said, well, it's the same as it was in 2019. You know, you didn't mind about it then. Just deal with it. And I kind of agree with it. Obviously, it's it's easy for us to say we're not F1 drivers. We're just literally armchair experts, as they say. But you know, those curbs have been put there for a reason to help with track limits and things like that. And the F1 drivers should respect that. And, you know, if every time there was something that was an inconvenience and the FIA snapped their fingers and it disappeared, then you're on dangerous grounds, probably quite literally, because sometimes things might be put in for safety and stuff like that. So mm, I think they should stay there but Massey said that he's going to have a look at it because all the teams have been in his ear on the uh, team radio graphic that we've seen which I absolutely love and he said you know what I'll have a look at it this evening and we'll deal with it so it could be come tomorrow morning they magically disappeared but I don't know it's funny that he yeah like referenced the clearly they've had problems I'm assuming Portimao um I don't think it's coincidence that this came up in the Red Bull team uh, team graphic that we saw when he was speaking to to the Red Bull uh, team, and he said, "Kind of like, oh, you you wanted clear track limits, so I put some curbs there, and now you're complaining again. So what do you want?" Kind of thing. He was, yeah, he was definitely Michael Sassy, wasn't he? I'm not a big fan of the way he's, uh, well, from what we've heard anyway, sort of dealing with the teams. You know, it should be a you know a very fluid conversation it shouldn't be trying to one-up each other which i felt like that's what he's trying to do from the snippets we've heard of course we're not there the whole time but from what i've heard it just it isn't necessary and i don't obviously have to be quite firm but from my understanding charlie whiting didn't go about that his job in that way and look how brilliant a job he did uh from obviously track limits wasn't really as much of a talking point when he was kind of in charge but it's just I think it's quite clear to see that he's under pressure. Mm. He's trying to take this kind of sort of alpha male, alpha male dominant approach sort of vibe, you know, and saying, well, look, you wanted this, I gave you it. And now you're complaining. 
which I don't know if that's going to be the best way to do it because, of course, he's managing also pretty big egos across the, all the teams and the big bosses. So I feel like it would just end up in a lot of behind-the-scenes arguments rather than really <laughs> just getting it done because there isn't much point to those turn two because... Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of... I've oh, about seven points that I want to say. Go all, off! <laughs> I think it's... um I can't remember exactly what turn it is, but it's the one where Max and Lewis both ran wide. There's no sausage curve there. But they ran wide, and you can see the 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 replay of the, the floor pretty much bouncing against the curve. I can't remember what in somewhere in the middle sector, um, maybe into the last. Either way, it's the long right hander, and then they cut. You know, you run a little bit wide because it's really difficult to get your turn in right. But that's the perfect curve for me, and you know, because it unsettles the car, but it doesn't blow up the car or cost cost a huge amount of damage. Because I think the the race will be ruined a little bit if one of the you know, top drivers just runs a little bit wide, gets absolutely yeeted by those sausage curbs. And I feel like it won't, obviously it might spice up the race if Hamilton's 20 seconds down the road, then does that. But overall, I just don't think it's necessary for it to be there. Just have track limits and just monitor it. That's it. Yeah. You don't you don't need those, those lethal curbs. If you are in, like you say, if Hamilton's 20 seconds up the road, I'm sure everyone would, would love it if, like you say, he yeets it over the curb. But if you're getting this amazing battle between... Verstappen and Hamilton, well, maybe unlikely at Paul Ricard, but you never know. <laughs> um, and it's ruined by running over a sausage curb and breaking your car. It's not, like you say, for the, what Red Bull were arguing and Mercedes. It's funny that this time it was both them. Um, yeah, they were very much like, well, it's such a small error. It's it's not like you're trying to shortcut the circuit or get a huge advantage you're going into these corners at hundreds of miles an hour and you've just not quite got it right. And you're trying to find the limits in a practice session. And you're like, say you're, you're obliterating your car, but the whole thing you're saying about Massey and the way he's handling it. It's one of those things where the team radio graphic is great for us. I'm a little bit concerned. One, it's not painting him in a very good light. And two, people would say, Oh, it's not, it doesn't look good for him, but knowing the kind of character we've seen from him so far um, with the things he said in press conferences and all that kind of thing, it does feel like maybe he would, this would just make him be even more kind of like say alpha male and because he's like, he can be a star and he's like, you know, saying all this stuff because he knows it's going to be broadcast on TV and he wants to look like top dog on TV, like saying like, I'm in charge, um, which could get, it's, it's obviously we, we love the whole, you know, getting the popcorn out and seeing that graphic, <laughs> but I worry that it might go too far. It could end up going maybe a little bit too far. Like when they started filming the, uh, the driver, uh, briefings and stuff where it's like is this getting a little silly now where we shouldn't really be hearing these conversations and it should be more about safety rather than our entertainment kind of I'm thing. I'm not sure many people will agree about the drive. No, I don't I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to get rid of it because I love it, but I'm just thinking in six, seven races time if it gets starting to get very sour and between between them it's not a great look for F1 when safety is the thing that should be being prioritized really. I think we should be a little bit concerned that the race director is being painted in 
such a negative light. Obviously, there are plenty of catalysts that have led to us having these opinions opinions of Massey. Like obviously on the podcast, we've spoken about things before that maybe Massey has allowed to happen, such as recovery vehicles on track and the green light happening, which I think happened in Turkey last year when it was raining. Um, and obviously things like marshals on the tracks um, in Imola last year. Like there've been plenty of examples and we've talked about them all on the podcast. But yeah, I think with this radio graphic, Massey's snappy answers makes him sound like a stroppy teenager that needs to have the last word. And I know that because I've been that stroppy teenager that needs the last word. And I'm sure everybody listening has as well, so they can relate to that. But yeah, I think it's quite uh, concerning that, you know, you go on Twitter and after these graphics come up, everybody's slating Massey. And like you say, even with drivers, we hear radio broadcasts and it's only a small clip of what they actually say. And sometimes we can be quite quick to judge literally just a a tiny window of what we see. Um, But yeah, I mean, like you say, I still love hearing the insights and um, I'm sure Netflix and Drive to Survive are having an absolute field day. Who knows? Maybe we'll see more of Michael Massey in Drive to Survive. Next maybe season. he'll be the new super villain that yeah. uh, Lawrence Stroll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess with, with the snippets from the drivers, at, at least they have the excuse of driving at 200 miles an hour. Uh, True. He is in an air conditioned office. Just, yeah, he's not yeah. exactly under full uh, physical stress. Maybe not. That I could do his job or anything. I love like how you just just throwing the aircon bit in as well. Just to, <laughs> he just gets aircon and <laughs> nice cup of tea next to him. I anyway, have a, I have uh, a little fan next to me on my desk. Wow, that I bought that, out. Do you call that aircon Be- as well? Best fans. Hey. Oh, God, hey. Sorry, God's sake. <laughs> Leave that in 2018 or whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> next up, J Royal 15. Actually, no, we didn't even ask the first one. Will Taylor 2002, those curbs that damaged Valtteri's front wing. Merck say it's going to cost them tons. However, I think they work as that surely encourages drivers to stay within the track limits. What are your thoughts on this? Of course, we've just said our thoughts. I, I disagree with you, Will. I think Tom, Tommy also disagrees with you. Katie agrees with you. So I think that's pretty much... Um... What do you think? Uh, I guess what one thing that might be worth covering, do you think they'll be removed? Because we've seen a lot of this thing where track limits are enforced and then the next day they're not so do you think the, the curbs are going to stay or not i personally think they'll remove them i think yeah. that the logical decision is to take get rid of them it just depends how much michael massey wants to tug at this rope and just you know see exactly how far he can take it with the teams i think you know it'd only be for show if he keeps it in because you know it's all well and good you know you're allowed to you know set it all out they go out for free practice and make changes that does not show weakness that shows that you're working with the teams and you know you're coming to a a a decision so for me yeah they they should go and will go I've got a feeling that they're going to stay. I'm probably going to be completely wrong, but I just That's think fine. that he's going to be too dominant on the issue and say, like we heard him on the radio saying they were there in 2019 and you didn't have a problem. So pipe down kind of thing. So Ooh. I have a feeling they're going to stay. That was an oh, interesting no. point, actually, when he said they were there in 2019. Mm. I don't know if they were the exact ones. I don't, certainly don't remember it coming up a lot. So yeah, maybe maybe the drivers in the last two years have just got used to pushing the limits too far and the drivers have got worse (laughs) yeah (laughs) our modern our modern f1 drivers rubbish (laughs) yeah yeah okay cool so uh two for yes one for no let's see uh we can recap that on our monday post-race podcast we interrupt this wtf1 podcast for a very quick chat about our sponsor for this episode express vpn why does everyone need a vpn 
Well, internet service providers know every single website you visit. ISPs can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who then use your data to target you. So why use ExpressVPN? ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so people can't peep on your online activity. It works on phones, laptops, even routers, so everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can be protected. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash WTF1 today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash WTF1, and you can get an extra three months free. Right, let's get back to the podcast. At JRoyal15, why does the runoff at Paul Ricard destroy the tyre's surface? <sighs> I mean, it's very hot there. I think it was like 45 degrees, isn't it, or something? Um, I don't have a huge amount of understanding about the runoff. I don't know if either of you want to chime in on that one. It's, it's a special runoff. <laughs> it's a hot runoff. It's, yeah, so the, the blue the blue runoff, I'm sure Katie knows even more than me, but the blue runoff is um, different to the red runoff. And if anyone saw, obviously, what happened in FP1, uh, Carla Science went off on the red runoff and it absolutely obliterated his tire. I've not seen a tire look like that since um, down to the China. carcass, wasn't it? Yeah, when when uh, when China, when Hamilton stayed out and lost the championship. Sorry, Hamilton fans, for reminding you of that horrible moment. But it, it was down, yeah, to the to like the whole canvas. You could see like everything coming out of the tire. Never seen a tire that destroyed, and it's because the the red lines. They're not just there to be like, oh, pretty, pretty. It's the French flag, <laughs> blue and red. Um, the the red ones are, are, they were saying, is like pretty much like sandpaper. Yeah. So, Tommy's what's the blue pretty... one? Glass. <laughs> yeah. Ice. <laughs> yeah. No. So basically, yeah. What Tommy was saying is right in that the stripes have the different color is a different surface. So essentially you have the blue ones which are closest to the track and then the red ones which are the furthest away from the track and closest to the tire barrier. And the aim is to stop the cars from essentially going off and not being able to stop and going into a tire barrier. So yeah, when they get to the, the red sections, um, it essentially tries to just like shred the tires like a sandpaper um, to prevent the cars from hitting into a tire barrier which is kind of like well it's a pretty clever technology um but i mean even with runoffs at normal grade one circuits they use like an anti-slip paint and stuff like that to basically try and absorb as much energy um to prevent a car from hitting the barriers or to help a car uh maybe regain control of their vehicle or something if they've gone off basically I'm, I'm not really sounds, good at giving examples. It examples, sounds but. in theory like it would be a really cool thing. Like I imagine, say we've never never gone to Paul Ricard and you said, and obviously everyone complains about the car park tracks like Abu Dhabi or whatever, and you said, oh, they're going to introduce this thing where the, there's runoff area that slows you down a bit and then if you go really wide, it slows you down even more. We'd probably be like, that sounds like the perfect solution. And then actually, Paul Ricard is probably the, the track that gets the most roasted for its runoff area and how it kind of is a bit of a, an eyesore to look at and stuff. <laughs> yeah, not a fan. Just just put a gravel trap there. That's like, just, you know, why do you have to put sandpaper down? Like, just For me, it just doesn't. Um, sort of punish mistakes enough obviously you've got the the exit curbs which punish too much and then 
yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a massive fan of, of how wide you can go without really any sort of repercussions. Um, next up, wait, speaking of tyres, uh, we're talking about Pirelli. And of course, uh, they came out with their report, uh, which is still... pages long. I still find it so weird that they investigate their own problem. <laughs> I know that they are the, the experts and, you know, they can give the sort of... Yeah, but they're not going to be like learnings. But don't buy Pirellis; they're terrible. <laughs> exactly, but at the same time, if there's a actual problem with their tire, they're never, in my opinion, they're never going to come out and go, "Yep, they blow up." Yeah, yeah, no, that. Yeah, we we messed up. Like they're, they're always going to find a way in which around to either blame someone else or make it sound like it was just, you know, all these um, you know random factors all came into play at once. So. Yeah, I'm a bit of a not not a massive fan of some. It's like you know, it's like someone going and committing a crime, and then they're the ones that go well, in court. <laughs> I'm not guilty. <laughs> I didn't do it. Well, there you go. You're free to go. We like, saw you murder someone. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Oh well, you must know. You were there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, not not a massive fan. But uh, Peter Allen Robbo says, "Do you think we'll see any more tire drama over this weekend?" I don't think so. I mean, the temperatures, as I mentioned, are quite high. Uh, what um, tire compounds are actually running? Because I didn't see the intro to the to the show. To be fair, is it the? I'm assuming it's not the softest. Either of you know? No, I can't know. remember off cool. the top I'll, of my we'll, head. We'll find out. We'll find out. Find I'll, out, I'll, sure. I'll do some typing while someone's talking. But no, I don't. They've obviously, they've put the uh, tire pressures. They've changed them by two psi, haven't they? Um, which <laughs> Red Bull have said aren't <laughs> doesn't really change anything in their opinion. But uh, they said that look, they're the experts. We'll just listen to them. Was it two up or down? Up. Uh, I think they've put the pressure up, yeah. Okay, yeah, so there you go. Um, Tommy, what do you think? I can't see there being much more tyre drama than last weekend. Hopefully not, because it's one of those things that's just, I just find just not, <laughs> not that interesting at all. C2, not why C3, sorry, Tommy, C2, C3, C4. So right back, slap that, slap bang down the middle. Yeah, it's just, I, I hope not, because... Yeah, I just the whole the whole drama again, and it's a, it's a little bit like the the Massey thing. I don't think it's healthy for a, again on a like I know it sound a little bit like oh, for safety, but I don't think it is healthy to have team versus tire manufacturer and team versus FAA and and yeah, they they need to sort it out um, between them rather than just. Yeah, it seems like like Max went on a, a massive rant about it uh, to to Sky, um, saying, "Well, you know, we we gave them all the data, and they're still saying it's you know not their fault. So what what is it like? What is it then?" I think uh, Cro just... Crofty beautifully, sorry, Katie, said okay. something about there's a lot of consonants but not a lot of reasoning or something like that around the uh, the report. So which I thought was quite. Yeah, I mean, an 18-page report to not say it really anything was quite quite, quite interesting. It was. It was very vague um, because, like you say, Red Bull and Aston Martin have basically said, well, we've given you all our data, there was no fault with the car, and we were running our tyres in perfect alignment with your suggestions. So how is that an issue? Um, but yeah, basically, there's the starting parameters and the running parameters and... Uh, the starting parameters of the tyres are based 
off of the assessment of the running parameters, which is what the teams give to Pirelli to say, this is how we think the cars are going to perform. And then from that, Pirelli will take that information and come up with like the pressures of the tires that they should be and like the maximum heat of the tire blankets and things like that. So um, essentially they said that Red Bull and Aston Martin, um, their pressure, tire pressures were lower than predicted and that's probably why the issue happened but yeah the whole thing is unnecessarily complicated and just really bad PR for Formula One for Pirelli for Red Bull for Aston Martin like Tommy said you know we've got an amazing championship battle on our hands here like probably one of the best we've had in years and yet on Thursday media day all that was talked about was tyres. And like Tommy said, casual fans don't care. They don't give a damn. They just want to know like what's going on with like Hamilton's race and how Verstappen's feeling after losing those 25 championship points. They don't, they don't care about the tyres, but that's all that's being talked about. <laughs> Katie Fairman, the spokesperson for all casual Everyone. fans. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like it's just... It's a shame that it's becoming such a big talking point. But then look at the history of Formula One and tyres. You know, it's never been a perfect working relationship. There's always some drama going on in the background. And this isn't the first issue with Pirelli we've had. So you mentioned about the whole like PR, the from the PR side, it does make you wonder what are the actual gains of being a Formula One tyre supplier? Because you only find out when it goes wrong, don't you? Uh, and then everyone goes crazy. So, yeah, I mean, it's quite it's quite a big thing to be the you know a lot of people. You know, yeah, I guess they can advertise. Like, oh, I'll have some Pirellis. Yeah, I'll Pirellis. be an F1 driver now. Yeah. I know Tommy, you're not a big car fan, but uh, Pirellis no. are a road tire. I've well. got Pirellis on my car as well, so it obviously is working. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> and they've, not failed, they've not failed yet. <laughs> God, touch wood. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay, that is. Uh, uh, to be fair, naturally, of course, as well, tyres will be spoken about because it affected the championship battle. So I kind of disagree a little bit that I, you know, tyres you know, were the big talking point coming into this because Max could have easily extended his championship lead, uh, but but didn't. And uh, it seems as though he may be ruining that a little bit because Mercedes looked pretty good. Speaking of that, our next topic is Valtteri Bottas looking uh, very, very decent. Um, obviously sixth in the championship, may I highlight to everyone. With two retirements. Two retirements. Name, I don't. I, some, yeah, I don't. I don't. You know. I'm not on that kind of. Oh, he's. Sick. I am. He's Are sick. you? <laughs> oh, okay. No, I don't. Yeah, okay, Monaco, not ideal. Would have been Hamilton and Monaco quite easily. What was his other? Imola. He Imola. was not running Which very would, well. Yeah, he'd have got like two points. Gonna say, but... Imola. What, did he lose many points there, Tommy? Yeah. Tell me, no, tell me more but... about that. So he's lost about <laughs> twenty points, uh, which. When you look at the actual F1 driver standings, which I'm typing in. As he types it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's, oh, God, it's giving me that. That's the wrong one. Here we go. Driver standings. Uh, give him an extra 20 points. Uh, he's one point ahead of Lando, although Lando maybe gained a little bit. Yeah. Still behind Sergio Perez, probably. So, yeah, he's still having a bit of a shocker of a season, Tommy. I know you're a secret Bottas fanboy. I never knew. No, I just... I'm coming think, out now. No, you can't just... Yeah. <laughs> he is having a shocker of a season. You can't oh, say yeah. he's not. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, you know, oh, no, I'm not having that. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, um, yeah, so, so he is having a bit of a shocker. But French Grand Prix, at least for practice one and practice two, Bottas is on it. Um, but, uh, I mean, at the same time, he loves to top a practice session. <laughs> <laughs> he's else back to his fp1 topping best 
there was a stat I love the really irrelevant stats that mean absolutely nothing for the weekend, but one that was mentioned in FP1 by Rachel Brooks about the fact that the, the person that's topped FP1 has not won a race this season. So yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, yeah, so basically means it doesn't give you any sort of representation of what's going to happen. But the big talking point is Bottas has got the chassis that Hamilton had, and I'm sure all the Hamilton haters will be jumping on that so quickly. <laughs> That, uh, that Hamilton has a better chassis than, than Bottas. But at the same time, Bottas had a huge shunt in Imola and still has to obviously run that chassis after it being repaired and stuff. So there are points that I think Paul DeResta was touching upon that, you know, just because they're in the same car, ne- not necessarily will it perform exactly the same. I mean, it's pretty impossible to make two identical cars in every way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously a good good chance for Bottas to, to bounce back if this chassis does give him an extra couple of tenths. Uh, but at the same time, I'm sure not a lot of people will say that he's done it out of pure talent. It's just the fact that he's got a better chassis. Yeah, but then I guess you could... The thing is with the chassis swap, right? Do you not think that's quite a bold move? For, I know I know that the fact that he said that it was always planned and yeah. it's something they do on the regular. Just a theory. So like, say that, like you say, that chassis is does perform better and for whatever reason like say they're not totally identical and he's way more confident in the car and lewis doesn't like this new chassis bit silly that seems like just yeah when you're going for a world championship you need to get every single point on max just happen just to give like bottas a bit of a confidence boost it does seem a little bit you kind mm. of do have to be a little bit ruthless to to your number one driver now um I personally feel like yeah. maybe maybe I'm overthinking it, but it's, no, it's a little bit of a risk. It's a fair point. It's, I guess, you know, on one end, if they've absolutely agreed it prior to the season mm. starting, doing that to Bottas will only, you know, plummet his morale crumble. even more. <laughs> and maybe they think, oh, look, well, look, we'll stick Hamilton in there. He'll still do a good job in it. I know what you're saying about the championship and whatnot, but I think it also says as well, that Bottas isn't in the bin because if he is in the bin, I don't think they would do the chassis change. If there's been this big falling out and stuff, they're going to pile everything into Hamilton's car, especially with Bottas being sixth in the championship. He's not in that driver's hunt unless something really crazy happens. So we still love to talk him like he is, where they're like, do you need to win this one this weekend? It's like, stop pretending he's in the, title, <laughs> in the championship. Nah. It's just not every single yeah. one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think with this chassis swap, you can probably look at it at every single angle. You could look at it that maybe Bottas needs this new chassis so he can improve and that his maybe by winning the race this weekend, for example, his um, confidence will grow and he'll get back into that, you know, Bottas that we previously know, Bottas 2.0, bo- oh, <laughs> Bottas no. porridge, whatever you want to call him. Or you Bottas could look at it. Porridge. <laughs> is that oh, porridge is I don't think he was known as that. I don't think it's his superhero. <laughs> I just made that nickname <laughs> He has porridge. Oh. He was never called Bottas Porridge. I'm going to call him Bottas Porridge. If, if Bottas wins, I'm tweeting Bottas Bottas Shreddles. A little, a little oh, Easter egg for anyone that remembers that. Oh dear! Oh gosh! I've got Bottas coffee. <laughs> Whatever he has, just give myself the giggles. Um, but yeah, it, I think you can look at it a million different ways. But the the bottom line is that they said it was already previously agreed, and although it's a bit of an odd thing to do 
I'll just go with what Toto said, which is that it's been planned and they always swap different parts. But yeah, it certainly was interesting on Team Radio and FP2 when Hamilton came onto radio and was like, there's something wrong with my car, which I'm sure, like you say, is going to absolutely be fuel for all the people that love to go, oh, well, Hamilton's only won the races because he's got a good car. <laughs> See, like, I told you. I told yeah. you. <laughs> it would stir the pot even more, wouldn't it? If, yeah. Uh, if, if Lewis came over the radio and said, there's something wrong with Valtteri's car. Because obviously people are running a chassis. Imagine, um, imagine Bottas wins and Hamilton finishes like 15th, and everyone's <laughs> like, "God, I cannot wait for the podcast if that happens." I, I guess, I guess the the argument is maybe that Mercedes can't really know like the performance of the chassis until you just put it in Lewis's hands, yeah. and then maybe it's this one weekend where they go, "Oh God, it is actually pretty bad." Valtteri, here you go, mate. You can have it back for the rest of the season, sort of thing. So maybe it was just testing it out. You know, they've already pre-agreed it give it a go for one race if it doesn't work out swap it back around and put back Bottas firmly back in that number two car uh, the rap fall how much do you think this weekend will affect Bottas's future not a lot unless he wins by a lap I think in my opinion I mean obviously he needs to be there in the fight I loved your little face you just pulled there Tommy that was <laughs> <laughs> that's being screen capped <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, he needs to finish where Hamilton does. Wherever Hamilton and Mercedes are, it looks like they're right at the front. Bottas needs to be at least on the podium and not in 15th. If he picks up his performances from now, Mercedes might think, okay, look, you know, there's more than enough time for him to salvage a few pretty terrible races already this season. But if it continues, if the form continues to go a certain way into sort of the midway point of the season, I think, you know, old Georgie boy might be, uh, might be ringing up, but, you know, he wants a deal by the summer. So, uh, I don't think there's a huge amount of time for Mercedes to to make their their minds up. Yeah, I think these three, maybe four races are literally going to make or break Bottas in terms of, and he doesn't need to win. I think I think if he, I wouldn't say in like needs. I know you're obviously joking that he doesn't need to win by a lap, but I think if he he's getting <laughs> no, he needs to win by a lap. <laughs> Toto has told him win by a lap and you stay. Um, no, if if he's on the podium and you know we're getting Hambot Verse and Bottas is taking points from Max, I think that's gonna do th- that will start to put back into their head, look, what is the point risking George when he might go all guns blazing, he'll want to win races, he might crash into Hamilton. All these scenarios, whereas Bottas, if he finishes second in the next four races, they might be like yeah, you know, he just had a blip, confidence, mm. like shot a little bit. He can get back in it. And then George Russell stays at Williams for the rest of his life. <laughs> oh, I mean, deep. I mean, Valtteri is a nice bloke, but my goodness me, do I want him to have a few bad races so that George goes up against Lewis next year? I mean, who doesn't want to see that? Well, I'm so yeah. bored of the Bottas Hamilton partnership just from an entertainment side of things. Just whack George in there. Give him a broken chassis if you have to. Just see. Stop what, just putting see what results over our own entertainment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. Goodness sake. When will they learn? <laughs> no, I think. Uh, I mean, firstly, if Bottas ends up winning by a lap, he's taken one of the what was it, 167. This is a, this is a genuine <laughs> this is a theory now. I'm, I'm going to change my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely taken one of the. 165 different layouts or something because that he's done a joke lap of some kind but yeah I think this weekend 
won't affect Bottas's future unless he literally like has a proper nightmare, wipes out half the grid like in the first lap or whatever, and ends wipes up out half the grid. That's that. It, that would be quite a bold That's prediction. Some F one lobby. That really lobby. is. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think let's see how he gets on after the triple header because I think that will be the real tale of time. Um, and supposedly there's meant to be. I think it's absolute rubbish. But an announcement on the. Uh, Russell's future at the British Grand Prix, which yes, I'm I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not thinking that's going to happen. But all hey, this hype, all yeah. this massive hype, and it'll just be George Russell ten year <laughs> Williams extension, ten year Williams extension. Oh yeah, God, why would you? Why would you? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Even if Bottas doesn't perform, I guess if he doesn't perform, he's never going to perform. But even if they do want to announce George how the dynamic of the championship is going to affect that decision because they want Bottas to be in a good headspace and mm. to be taking points off Max. So that could actually be quite an, an interesting story, how that, that pans out. Well, so much juiciness that could be happening over the rest of this season. Uh, oh, probably yeah. none of it will happen. Uh, but anyway, we move on to Alpine. Uh, they're looking pretty pretty solid mm-hmm. it has to be said especially in the hands of old fernando hello uh, and his teammate esteban ocon of course having his new contract with alpine which is very good news uh, do love esteban he's a very nice bloke and talented driver and i feel like he's sort of just continuing to progress you know bedded himself back into f1 after that terrible bin bag moment in in abu dhabi that we witnessed live on the internet's best reactions um but yeah it's uh it's good that I, he... i've completely forgot you're mentioning that and i was like oh yeah i remember that now <laughs> You I was forgot like, bin that. bag moment. Shut I just envisioned like um, a plastic bag coming onto the track or something when he was driving <laughs> and it got caught in his breakdown. That was no, Fernando in Bahrain this year. No, yeah. it was, uh, what was it, 2019? 2019? I think it was 2019. Yeah. It was Abu Dhabi. Oh yeah, he was he out for 20. No. Yeah, he wasn't racing 2019. Yeah, okay, yeah. So 2018, no, wait, Abu oh, wow. Dhabi. Yeah. Okay, we're all having a bit of a moment here. But it's it's either 2018 or 2019, Internet's Best Reactions, Abu Dhabi, if you haven't seen it. It's... Yeah, he was racing with Renault in 2020. Yeah, well, so it'd been yeah, 2018. So 2019. It was the 2018 <laughs> IBR, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Anyway, gosh, it's just an absolute mess, these pre-race it's, podcasts. It's that runoff, it scrambled our brains. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you're wearing the blooming jumper as well. Um, okay, and I'm the curb. So... <laughs> Dream team. Back to Alpine. Sorry, yes. Sorry. Yeah, do as you're told, children. <laughs> um, yeah, they're looking very good. And it does, it seems as though they may even be the fastest of the midfield because I guess just sort of looping back to Bottas and he needs a good performance. Fortunately for him, the midfield seemed to be nowhere compared to the, the front lot. Whereas we've seen, you know, the Ferraris and the McLarens getting involved in a few of the races. It seems as though France is kind of extending the gap for the Red Bulls and the, and the Mercedes. And Alpine look like they may well slot in that sort of P5, P6 territory. Uh, you obviously got the likes of Gasly still hanging around and and uh, and Leclerc, although Ferrari not looking massively great, would you say? It's not not the best, you know, well, considering our expectations have gone through the roof after after Baku and, and Monaco, I don't think we'll be seeing a Leclerc pole uh, at France, which is a bit of a shame. But, uh, but yeah, good to see Alpine, surprisingly. Maybe they were doing a bit of headline talking for Friday. That was a mention, because obviously it's French Grand Prix and all that. Uh, but uh, but they look pretty good. Build up the hype. It's going to be 
um, an interesting weekend. And I can see, which we'll talk about later, about Tommy's predictions. So, you know, hopefully they'll continue to do well for his sake. But yeah, Esteban signing a new contract. I'm absolutely thrilled for the guy because he's one of the only drivers on the grid that has got very humble beginnings. I think his dad was an engineer and he spoke about it on Drive to Survive and things like that. His dad, you know, worked all during the day and then worked nights to help fund his karting career. We all know how ludicrously expensive it is to get into karting and single seaters, let alone Formula One. So it's a, a very good piece of news um, for especially young drivers that maybe are in a similar position now and aiming for Formula One. Um, but lots of chatter about if this was a good decision in terms of the length of the contract. So he signed until 2024 with Alpine, um, which is obviously good in the sense that he's secured himself a Formula One seat for that long. And we don't often see contracts that far in advance. So that's good. But He's got ties with Mercedes. Toto Wolf is his manager. He obviously, um, in his year off, did a lot of work with Mercedes. Um, and there was a lot of chatter as to whether he could be a potential driver for Mercedes in, in the future. So obviously with this Alpine deal, that's kind of been ruled out until at least 2025. But yeah. Not I'm... necessarily. They can be bought out, that's can't true, they? All that's all true. That good stuff. So yeah. there's a lot of really long contract extensions going on at the mm -hmm. moment i think charles signed for absolutely ages max did um lando's signed a multi-year deal uh yeah it's really good news i'm glad ocon's staying in the sport um just hope it doesn't mean that all these drivers are going to just stay at every team for four <laughs> years and we don't get a bit of jumbled up because that's always makes the the season nice and exciting but it, I guess it's it's teams locking in their kind of driver that they see their future with that when the regulations change, it's like, right, this is our guy, fresh, fresh start, new regulations. This is who we want to go with. And I guess for McLaren, that's Lando, Red Bull, Max, Ferrari, Charles, <laughs> and now Alpine with, uh, with Ocon. But another story that's come out of that is kind of puts Gasly in maybe a slightly awkward position because I think after Monza, it was only, yeah, Monza, not, not a huge amount of time ago, and Ocon really was not performing that great. Um, was getting a lot of stick, and I think people were saying that Gasly uh, could be, be the one to kick Ocon out his seat and be the the new star there because it doesn't seem like he's ever going to return to Red Bull so I think if I was Gasly I'd be a little bit um yeah not wor not worried but like where his next step is when all these contracts are now filling up I think he's just Mr Alpha Tauri isn't he for the for the time being yeah. which she'll be all right especially you know if he's nipping on the sort of top end of the midfield maybe he's okay with that obviously he wants to be a race winner and things like that but his time will potentially come but right now as you say there's not really many slots available <laughs> i mean red bull but he's been there and that's that didn't go very well so uh yeah we'll see but uh it's, it's, it's interesting that the length of esteban ocon's contract surprised me a little bit just purely because i don't think his results have really maybe warranted a three-year extension i felt like you know he deserves to be in formula one don't you look at wrong. the three other drivers that got it yeah they're, they've been unbelievable whereas yeah. ocon no doubt has been impressive but i wouldn't put him in that level of those three of how Absolutely. well he's been doing so yeah interesting but clearly they 
you know, he's working well with the team and, and all that good stuff. So they've decided to, to stick with him. So uh, congrats, Esteban. And uh, well, he's got a pretty good teammate in the sense of Fernando Alonso for the next year and a bit. So uh, let's see how he stacks up uh, come the end of Fernando's little jolly that he's having in Formula One at the moment. Uh, right. Let's talk about our predictions then as we uh, wrap up this podcast. My two were two safety cars. And Perez half a second off Max in quality, which could well, I mean, you never know. According to AWS, he I'm was about nine two. tenths off or something. Yeah, I know. And he looked all right in practice one, but didn't really have the, the pace in, in, in FP2. Down in 12th, uh, just over a second off, off Max. So maybe I went a little bit too too short on that one. But uh, <laughs> I don't want Sergio to, you know, I don't want him to do badly because he had an amazing performance at Baku. And I really hope that he does. Um, continue that momentum because you know i said before the season that i thought perez would take it to max and he's kind of it you know it wasn't that at all but baku was a great great showing i just hope he can carry that momentum and it just wasn't just a one-off you know a good track for him or whatever which you wouldn't expect from sergio who was you know very consistent in in the racing points of this world yeah my predictions are no dnfs so (laughs) <laughs> hoping those, hoping yeah, those sausage curbs cabs. get removed. Hello, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Sassy, uh, can you help me out? Um, and both Alpines in Q3, which is looking, looking good. all right so far, but you never wow. know. You never know with these things. Nice, no, true. I have gone for Lando Norris top five finish in they the race. Great. Mm. I don't know, which is a bit of a pain. Um, and Alfa Romeo in the points again. So, I mean, they've, they've sort of like been flirting around the top 10. So, 9th and 11th in FP2. So, yeah. potentially, potentially around uh, the sort of nipping at the heels of maybe the McLarens and uh, Sonoda, your, your boy Sonoda, really doing some fast lap times, Tommy. <laughs> be fine. He's moved to Italy now. So, he's, yeah, to he's bed on. himself in. Yeah, they were talking about his, um, uh, it almost like he's, I feel like this is the first time Red Bull I've mentioned it a lot that Red Bull don't really care about nurturing drivers. They just want that super talent. Um, so Sonoda, they obviously see a lot in him that they've said, move to Italy. This is your diet. No playing Call of Duty. You need to be in the gym, not eating all the time. This is your diet, whatever. And they've really like put him on this strict kind of plan. And then obviously he had a I love really how, good. Sorry, I love how that's the time. That they're like right diet time now you know <laughs> yeah six races in and not performing uh come on then uh but i mean let's see if baku was a one-off or it has genuinely helped him and he's he's back up to speed back up to speed back back you up to speed. good one good one so uh, the many. three fan predictions were andrew tyrrell eight hamilton grand shalem Aniket P73509728, Alpha Tauri double DNF, and D Salafambi. Ferrari will be back on the podium somehow. There's a big emphasis on somehow now, somehow. I think, going into this into this weekend. Maybe the curbs. Uh, that's it. Katie, final thoughts. Um <laughs> yes! If no. I get a term, I have won the final thoughts challenge. I still have to give one. <laughs> Tommy, final thoughts. Um, yes. I'm going to full house. Yeah, full house no, no, no idea. Please be good. Come on, <laughs> one of you. Uh, oh, it's going to rain. So yeah, great race. Well, apparently I was hundred percent, hundred percent confirmed rain. 
Yeah, apparently it's in the morning, isn't it, or something? But yeah. still, so, it's so still, if it's a wet track by the time the race starts, if it rains and before the race, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, like in, in Imola again, that'd be good. Yeah, Although I'm exactly. sure Bottas will not will not hit. <laughs> that's the case. Katie's I have a final thought. Up. I've got a final thought. So Mercedes <laughs> <Lisa>. have <laughs> Mercedes have led every single lap bar two in the last two visits to Paul Ricard. That's just what were, and what were those two laps? <laughs> who, who I'm going to do a Tommy and pretend to freeze. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Katie. For that. Final facts. Yeah. Final <laughs> yeah. facts. <laughs> now that's too easy you can just read anything right cool thank you so much to tommy and to katie uh and to you for for watching and listening to this wtf1 pre-race french grand prix podcast thank you so much to express vpn for sponsoring this episode and we'll see you that was a weird thumbs up. <laughs> it's like an elevator <laughs> Uh, make sure to give us a thumbs up, five stars, wherever you're listening or watching, and uh, hashtag WTF1 podcast if you want to get involved for the Monday post. I saw you move post race <laughs> podcast, and uh, we'll see you two. Are you're, you're absolutely off the rails? Buzzing today. about Paul Ricard. Paul Ricard. Yeah, yeah of all the of all the podcasts to start being all silly. We've got delirious. The They've literally hypnotised you. It's anyway, the runoff. Yeah, Paul Ricard's <laughs> the best circuit in the world. Wait, what? No, yes, yeah, so it's fine. There we go. Cool. Thank you so much, everybody. Goodbye. Oh, I've left my hand in a really difficult position.